Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC information. And man, we had a fun one. UFC Austin went down this past Saturday, and it did not disappoint. Probably the best fight night of the year. I'll go as far to say it. You know, was everything amazing on this card? No, but I'd say, dare I say, 85%, 90% of it was perfect. And it was just such a fun time. I enjoyed watching it. I had a great weekend, you know, going out with the boys, um, going to some parties, seeing a, I actually saw an old friend who I hadn't seen in like a year. So that was pretty fun. And uh, we also had a bunch of NFL action last, uh, actually yesterday. I'm recording this on uh, Monday, December 4th. So December 3rd and 2nd, we had NFL, um, not on the 2nd, but we had college football on the second that was pretty entertaining so a lot of sports a lot of stuff to talk about of course we'll be recapping UFC Austin to cap off this episode my favorite part always is either previewing or reviewing I, I actually I'm torn on what I like more I think I like reviewing more but um I don't know we'll be reviewing the card from UFC Austin we'll also be recapping all the games in uh week 13 of the NFL gonna do a little movie Monday of sorts I, I have a couple things that I've watched recently that I'll be talking about of course we'll be kicking this off with some new UFC news some check-ins with some other leagues some other stuff along the way we got all sorts of fun stuff here on the surprise jab podcast but guess what everyone guess what it is my final week at college for the semester. It's pretty crazy. My uh, fall semester of my junior year, only three more semesters after this. And it was a good one. It was a fun one. I talked about it a bit last week, but I'm rounding out this week. I took my marketing final today, got a 72%, but I mean, I got like D's on the last two. I just do not understand. I don't understand how I do bad because actually I studied more than I studied for the last three exams we took. I actually took some, I actually, I don't, I'm not going to say I snuck some notes on while taking the test, but I might have, might have not to, not to condemn myself or anything, but you know, I I tried to, I tried to find a way to get some notes in and, uh, but I am ending my class. I am ending my marketing class with an 82%. So we get a B, um, a B minus actually, but, um, yeah, never gotten below a B in any of my classes. I have a finance exam tomorrow, Tuesday, December 5th, also the GTA 5 trailer or not GTA 5, GTA 6 trailer or teaser trailer will be dropping um, tomorrow as well. So it's going to be a fun day. Also going to hang out with some of my uh, company members as one last send-off. Of course, I was part of Evergrowing Co., um, part of the IBE Integrated Business Experience. Basically, college college students, they have a little startup company, and we donate money to charity. So that was um, it was a fun semester. And you can check out all that information or just look at the account on Instagram if you ever want to uh, see what I did. And then on Wednesday, to round out my whole semester, actually I have like one paper to do for management still, but like I don't even count that. Because I'll probably have that done before Wednesday. But on Wednesday, we present our check. I think at like 11 in the morning uh, at the bank because we had to get a loan for like our company. Uh, we presented to our charity, and after that, I'll probably all be done. But I'm thinking I'm going to stay down here in Mankato. Um, of course, I go to Minnesota State, uh, Mankato here in Minnesota. Um, I'm probably going to stay here for uh, probably until like Sunday or Monday. Of course, watch uh, UFC Vegas 83, headlined by Song Dong and Chris Gutierrez. Probably going to watch that and watch the Vikings play probably on Sunday. And then I'll head back home for winter break. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have like two, two to three full weeks of just um, nothing to do. I mean... I, I might work at a school I worked at before, my old elementary school, just being like a little recess aide, help out with the kids. But um, I don't know if that's going to work out. And then I could have went back to uh, 
this like uh, contractor place I worked this summer, but uh, I didn't know if I wanted to for winter break. But I will see um, the future holds bright things for all of us. But yeah, nonetheless, let's get into some action here with some new UFC fight news, of course, and just fighting news in general, actually, from a bare knuckle fighting, bare knuckle fighting championships, BKFC. Uh, there was a couple of UFC veterans uh, fighting each other. Jimmy Rivera, former top 15 bantamweight, was taking on uh, J- Jeremy Stevens, top 15 lightweight in the UFC. Those guys have long been gone. Probably, I think their last fights were in like 2021 or something. But they fought, and Jeremy Stevens freaking cut um, cut uh, Rivera's eye, right above his eye, with one punch. And the fight was stopped after like the first round, or I don't know how rounds work there or whatever, but um, pretty entertaining stuff there. I didn't really see the full clip of it, but good for Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he has, he has actually holds the most losses in UFC history. Fun facts. <laughs> so good to see him getting a win there. And also Eddie Alvarez took on Mike Perry, which I just find absolutely insane that Mike Perry beat another UFC former champion in bare knuckle fighting. I mean, Mike Perry is just an absolute legend, making so much money out of the game fighting. You got you got to love him. I think it was an absolute war. I was seeing some clips of it. People on like Instagram Reels or TikTok saying, "Look how many years these guys are taking out their lives and they're just swinging at each other, almost dropping each other." And I'm like, "Oh, that's the gamble you take to make some money, you know, fight another man." But um tough L for Eddie Alvarez, but Mike Perry man doing his thing. And I think Dylan Dennis was calling to box him or something. I don't know what's going on. With any of that, don't really pay mind to Dylan Dennis or like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, any of that stuff. Actually, Jake Paul fights in like two weeks or something against a real boxer. I don't know if um, I'm going to check that out, but we'll see. I'm in fighter news. Steve Garcia Jr. will be stepping in to uh, fight Malcozal Costa next weekend. Those two are supposed to fight uh, this past weekend, but that fight fell through. Thankfully, that fight is going to be saved. We did cover that on our pre-show, and the fight was canceled, of course, on weigh-ins. Also being added to this upcoming card, December 9th, Daniel Marcos will be taking on the debuting Carlos Vera. I believe Carlos Vera was actually on... The Ultimate Fighter. I I don't know if that's true or anything. I I don't know if that's if that's real or not. Uh, but I'll have to check that out when the time comes to review ne- or preview next week's card. But Daniel Marcos is fifteen and zero. He's from Peru. Uh, he's currently two and zero in the UFC, coming off a big win over Davy uh, Grant. So it'll be interesting to see him in competition. Um, as well, Tom Noland will make in his UFC debut. Um, he'll be taking on Nicholas Moda at UFC Vegas 84, January 13th. Um, Tom Noland, I believe, is coming from Daylight's Contender Series. And as for Nicholas Moda, is coming off of a tough, tough L against, um, oh, against someone whose name I just cannot remember. I know he got brutally knocked out like in September or something, so good to see him back. And officially made, officially announced, uh, UFC Mexico City in Mexico City, Mexico, February 24th of next year in the co-main event, five rounds, Former flyweight champion Brandon Moreno takes on number three ranked Amir Albazi. Brandon Moreno ranked number one in absolute massive fight. Could be the main event, but apparently the main event's going to be Yair Rodriguez versus Brandon Ortega. That's not official, but Moreno versus Amir Albazi is official. And it's perfect because let's say Ortega pulls out of a fight or something or Yair gets hurt, you can easily throw us into the main event and it'll be equally as exciting. Very happy the UFC goes back to Mexico. I always love when they go international. They, the cards rarely disappoint. They're usually bangers. So I'm very happy these two are going to get to fight. Amir Bazi finally getting an opportunity to fight for the belt if he beats Moreno. And Moreno looking to get back to a championship fight. He could easily get it if he beats Amir Bazi. That should be a fun one in the first quarter of 2024. 
Massive One announced that middleweight with two up-and-comers as number 15th-ranked Anthony Hernandez will be taking on Ikram Alakasarov. Anthony Fluffy, nicknamed Hernandez, 5-2 and two in the UFC, 11-2 and two professionally. I think he's on like a four-fight win streak or something. Notable wins, he actually holds a win over Brendan Allen. That's right, Brendan Allen, who just beat Paul Craig. Edmund Shabazian, all right, he pretty much retired Edmund Shabazian from the UFC. Um, just a very talented grappler, very good. Um, happy that he, it's unfortunate because I believe he was supposed to fight Chris Curtis and that fight fell through. So it's kind of tough that he has to fight down now, especially against Ikram Alkasarov, who is 15 and one professionally, two and zero in the UFC. Both of those wins in round one with a knockout. Oh my gosh. And they're both so fantastic. His only loss is to Hamzat Chemaev. Ikram Akasarov, a future threat in the middleweight division. I'm excited for that one, but we got to wait until UFC 298 in Anaheim, California, February 17th. Um, any last fun ones that I could share? Um, I'll say, uh, I mean, Eric Anders will be taking on Jamie Pickett at UFC Saudi Arabia on March 2nd, so it kind of just reminded me that they're doing a card in Saudi Arabia, which I which I find I find super fascinating that um, they're actually going to Saudi Arabia. Now, if it's like WWE, WWE puts on terrible events in Saudi Arabia, but makes loads of money for it, so I kind of hope it's the opposite, and they actually put together a good fight night. I don't know who they could necessarily do. I mean, you know, Saudi Arabia is kind of close to the United Emirates or whatever. So you could have Bilal Muhammad headline a card, number two ranked welterweight. You could have, you know, I don't think they're going to do Islam on that card at all. Um, Islam Makachev, current lightweight champion. Just kind of looking around the UFC, there just really isn't too many options. I'm sure they'll find one. But I mean, you could do how I think Hamzat Shemaev and maybe a fight night would be a good move. Hamzat Shemaev, who's currently ranked number nine at middleweight, could potentially take on someone like number mm, six ranked Paul Costa, number five ranked Marvitori. I don't know. They're, they'll come up with something. The UFC is always good at cooking up, cooking up some fights. In some awkward news, some interesting, interesting news here. Former UFC light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill, currently ranked number one actually at light heavyweight. He vacated the belt after winning it earlier this year due to a uh, arm injury, I believe it was. But um, he was actually arrested for domestic abuse against his brother. When that dropped, everyone started shaming him and stuff. But it turns out that's not the full story. Um, apparently, is uh, the it, he it wasn't actually like domestic abuse. They got in a dispute or something. I don't know if they like hurt each other they were brothers and he's hoping that the charges get dismissed or whatever but i don't know pretty pretty fascinating that that's uh that was the case i hope that jamal hill is able to get back to the octagon soon i don't know if he's gonna get an immediate towel shot against alex Pereira. he could but i mean you do have number three magomed ankalaev and number seven johnny walker fighting soon and number four jan blahovich and number five alexander rakic fighting soon so a lot of options at light heavyweight, we'll have to we'll have to see what comes. And other than that, I don't believe any other big fight announcements. Of course, this whole thing with Ian Gary has just uh, Ian Gary is just becoming such a villain in the UFC. I kind of love to see it, but at the same time, of course, um, his last time out against Neil Magny, um, Ian Gary basically labeled him a child abuser, um, just out of taunting him and stuff. And Neil Magny basically, and I quote, said. Um, 
In itself, it had a lot more consequences than just nonsense at a press conference. There were literal screenshots being taken of headlines saying that I'm a child abuser and that I do this to my kids. There were screenshots being taken and put into apps and things like that. That would be abysmal in court where I'm literally fighting for custody of my children. So it's kind of sad to see um, basically Neil Magny being labeled a child abuser and it having real world implications. So um, no word on who, um, or I'm not going to say actually any more on that, just kind of feeling bad for Neil Magny a bit. I don't know if it's true at all, like the accusations, I don't think they are. But uh, number 10 ranked Ian Machado Gary takes on number 8 Vicente Luque at UFC 296. Um, Ian Gary, villain of the UFC, a guy loved, you love to see it. And number 13 ranked Neil Magny, actually, speaking of him, he'll be taking on uh, Mike Mallett. At uh, Mike Mallett or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, up-and-coming welterweight can, uh, prospect at uh, UFC 297 in Toronto, Canada, where Mallett's from. But yeah, that's all the fight news that we got. Let's check in with um, some of our leagues. I always like checking in with all the other sports leagues. It's kind of fun. We'll, uh, we'll go to the NBA first. NBA, I always love to see how the NBA is doing. Um, Celtics. Best team in the league still, 15-4 and four in the Eastern Conference. Oh, this is by division. This is by division. I kind of wanted to do um, by, uh, like, full. I don't. I like when um, it doesn't list the divisions. I kind of just like seeing the whole league. There we go. Celtics 15-4 and four on a three-game win streak. Doing pretty good. Still undefeated, 9-0 at home. Ma- Orlando Magic 14-6 in second in the East. Bucks 14 and 6 are second or third in the East, I should say. 76ers now down to fourth on a two game losing streak. The Detroit Pistons 2 and 18. Their losing streak continues as it's now at 17 games lost. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. That's absolutely amazing. The Detroit Pistons are so bad. Um, Washington Wizards 3 and 16, equally bad, only on a two game losing streak. Um, yeah, nothing other, no other big win streaks or losing streaks. Knicks are now 12 and 7 and fifth. On a little three-game heater, Pacers 10-8, and eight, coming off of a win. But yeah, Boston Celtics, man, just doing their thing. Good for them. And oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. Tied, actually, for first in the NBA. Holy cow, the Timberwolves are 15-4 and four as well. They're uh, up two games in the Western Conference over the Thunder, who are in second. Timberwolves are on a four-game win streak, 9-1 and one at home, 4-0 in their division. Impressive stuff. From the Minnesota Timberwolves, I freaking I love the Timberwolves, man, just amazing. Uh, Nuggets fourteen and seven, they're in third. Kings eleven and seven, they're in fourth. Phoenix Suns at twelve and eight, in fifth, and the Dallas Mavericks at eleven and eight are at six. Um, Houston Rockets falling down to eight and nine on three game losing streak. The San Antonio Spurs last in the conference, three and 16, 14 game losing streak. Wow. Wow, just a tale of two seasons, man. It wasn't too long ago the Timberwolves were at the bottom, and the Spurs with Tim Duncan, Toy Parker, Manu Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard were at the very top. How about that? Maybe this is the Timberwolves' year, man. I don't know. We're fifteen and four, though. Um, we'd have to lose, like we have to go on like an eleven-game losing streak to go uh, below five hundred. So I'm really liking our odds this year. Uh, keep it going, Timberwolves. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I don't know if I'll watch any of your play before. Uh, before the playoffs, but uh, you know what? I'll be here to root for you. Good, good for you guys. Good for you guys. 
checking in with our hockey friends in the National Hockey League. The New York Rangers are the best team um, with an 18-4-1 and record. 18 wins, 5 losses, 37 points. And in second, the Boston Bruins, 17-4-3 with 37 points. Vegas Golden Knights in third in the league, 16-5-4, 36 points. So it's pretty much those three top teams. Canucks, though, catching up, 16-8-1, 33 points for them. Avalanche got over 30. Kings got over 30. Stars got over 30. And the Panthers, eighth best team in the league with a 14-8-2 record. They got 30 30 wins, um, or no, 30 points, not 30 wins. Um, the Arizona Coyotes are actually now 12-9-2. They're on a four-game win streak. Good for them. Tampa Bay Lightning falling to 10-10-5. They got 25 points, but on a four-game losing streak. Um, Buffalo Sabres, 10-13-2, three-game losing streak. Minnesota Wild, after going on a seven-game losing streak, are now 8-10-4 on a three-game win streak. How about that? They do have a minus 10-point differential, with which, you know, isn't too pretty, but you know what? They're slowly getting back. And the worst team in the league, 6-17-2, the San Jose Sharks. But they actually have the same number of points as the Chicago Blackhawks, who are 7-16 at the 31st spot in the league. Three-game losing streak for Gunnar Bedard. Edmonton Oilers, 9-12-1, four-game winning streak for them. I was able to catch a bit of the Wild and the um, Blackhawks game. Uh, yesterday it was Sunday, and you know what? It's pretty it's pretty nice watching the Wild play when they're good, but when they're bad, man, they, they are bad. You know, my buddies, they're hockey fans. They're always telling me, like, basically what the um, what's actually going on in the film or the film what's actually going on in the game and stuff so I can understand better but I kind of get the gist of it not a huge hockey guy not a huge like uh, NBA guy really honestly I mean I just I like both the sports but I will say it's hard to watch 82 games uh, such as for baseball 162 games it's hard to watch that many when for football one game every week for like a 20-week run or something. So much easier for me as an NFL fan or for UFC. It's even more rare, even less. But um, fun stuff there. Let me tell you about a let me tell you about a little movie Monday action for you. That's right, movie Monday plus TV shows. Movie Monday plus some TV shows. So I did watch a movie. I didn't actually finish it because I got bored. I, I watched Old Dads starring Bill Burr, Bobby Cavalli, and Bokeem Woodbane. You would recognize all three of those guys. I know Bobby Cannavale has been in a number of things. I know he was in that one, um, what was it, Rampage movie with, um, what's his freaking name? Uh, The Rock. I know he was in that. What else, what else has he been in? He's been in The Watcher on Netflix. Yes, I saw that. That was a good. That was a good TV show. The Watcher. Um, he was in Will and Grace in 2005. Um, he's been in a number of other movies. Paul Blart, Mall Cop. He was in The Other Guys. Yes, I remember him in The Other Guys. Um, oh, he played Jim Paxton in Ant Man. He played the stepdad. He's voiced stuff for BoJack Horseman, Big Mouth, well, Jumanji. Yes, I recognize him from that. Yeah, you'd recognize him. A lot. As for um, Bokeem Woodbine, I know he was in, uh, what's it freaking called? He was in The Sopranos for an episode. Um, what else has he been in that I could point out for you? Uh, nothing really I know. But yeah, basically the whole theme of the movie are these old dads and they run this like uh, antique jersey or like custom like jerseys, like basketball jerseys, football jerseys. And they sell it to like millennials and Bill Burr has like, Issues and stuff. But let me just tell you, the whole gist of the movie is that there's these old dads, 
and they're just in this world of just the wokeness is all I can describe it. And they're just crude, they're offensive, and they cuss a lot, and they say a lot of rude things. And I'll be honest, it just, it kind of lost me. It kind of lo- lost me. Um, yeah, and it's, it was kind of just an awkward ending. I mean, it, basically, they were all at a strip club at one point, and Bill Burr missed the birth of his child. So it was, uh, yeah, Bill Burr directed it. I would not really recommend it. I want to see if there was any any reviews of it. Um, yeah, I got 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Makes complete complete sense. So 42 out of 100 on Metacritic. Wow, yeah, that does. It was it was pretty bad. I couldn't even finish it. I was just that bored with it. And then I tried to watch The Night Before with uh, Seth Rogen, Jordan Gordon, Gordon Leavitt or whatever, and uh, Anthony, or, uh, what's his name, uh, Falcon, from uh, the MCU, and I just couldn't watch that movie. They're just not. They weren't. They weren't grasping my attention like some other shows do. But actually, you know what? I I binge watched The Boys. I literally rewatched all three seasons of The Boys, um, in like the last week. It was just easier. I just had on the background or was watching it before bed. Let me just tell you, it is so good watching it a second time before. Because then you're waiting for scenes. You know what happens in scenes. I mean, I just such a good show. I recommend The Boys to anyone. And uh, they actually released their season four trailer. All right, didn't say when it's coming out. Probably coming out in 2024, without a doubt. But yes, they did announce that The Boys season four is coming out. Um, some interesting shots from the trailer. I thought they recast Mother's Milk, but it turns out that he just shaved his beard or something, or just got a little thinner. It was really throwing me off. I was like, you cannot recast him. Um, Butcher was looking good. I think he's gonna use his powers again. They use, uh, oh my gosh, Negan from The Walking Dead, whoever that actor is. I cannot remember his name for life of me. He's going to be a, in it. Him and Butcher are going to be boys. I love it. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of protesting with like pro Starlight, pro Homelander people. Homelander's son is in it. There's some new superheroes in the seven. I saw some blood. I saw some guts. The Deep was there. A-Train was there. The whole gang was there. I'm pumped for it. I want to see some more Soldier Boy. Let me just tell you that. Give me some more Soldier Boy. He was amazing in season three. But yeah, that was a good trailer. Um, other trailers that came out. Of course, I mentioned GTA 5. Uh, or not GTA 5, but GTA 6 trailer drops tomorrow. Super excited for that. going to be a huge reveal. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like a cinematic trailer. You know, I don't think we're going to see any actual gameplay or anything. But I, I do believe that we might get a bit of a gist about what the story's about. And who knows? Who knows Rockstar? They might whip up something where they show actual gameplay. We'll see, though. We'll have to see. Um, House of the Dragon Season 2, the Game of Thrones prequel, the spinoff or whatever, basically about the Dance of the Dragons or whatever, the Targaryens, the frickin', um, I can't, the Holtz or whatever, I can't remember the other houses, but um, they released their Season 2 trailer, looking good, we're gonna see some more fighting, some more dragons, some more drama, and I actually, I've read, like, the lore book about all of Game of Thrones, and I actually read about, like, all the Targaryens and stuff, so I know what happens in the show, kind of, I haven't read it in a while, so I might, I might have actually forgotten, but let me just tell you that this whole show, um, What's it freaking called? The House of the Dragon, I just said it, um, is going to be amazing. There's going to be a lot of good battle scenes, um, open field, dragons in the air, fighting, just amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, I cannot wait for it, especially Battle Above God's Eye. You know, that is that is one of the most iconic scenes in the book. Um, or the, there's basically like the Game of Thrones lore, and I can't wait for it to see to be adapted onto live TV. But yes, um, I'm, all, I'm all here for it. I am all here for it. I'm pumped for it. I don't know when it comes out, though. Yet again, like the boys, not giving us an official date. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. 
Let's check out, um, oh, another trailer. Yes, Godzilla vs. Kong, or Godzilla times Kong, the new emperor, the next movie in the MonsterVerse. Yeah, the MonsterVerse, basically, like, coming off of, like, the multiverse or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MonsterVerse. Um, it looked pretty wonky. I won't lie. Am I going to see it? Obviously. Obviously, I loved I love those MonsterVerse movies. They're so entertaining. I actually got to see Monarch on Apple TV. I got to remember to sign up for Apple TV because I think I have a little free subscription or something. And I got to watch Monarch because that show looks good. It has um, Kurt Russell in it. Who doesn't love a little Kurt Russell? But yeah, the trailer, I mean, it looked pretty interesting. Um, basically, Kong is in, uh, what's it called? The Hollow Earth. You know, he's exploring stuff. It turns out he's going to have like a little son or he's going to adopt a son. The villain is like another monkey. Um, Godzilla is now pink instead of blue. You know, like, cause these pink blasters or whatever, pink, pink blasting power. Um, there's a video. Oh, actually, this rambling me up a bit. This looks just like a CGI monster mash, which I love, but at the same time, can get a bit, get a bit hectic. I can say that for one thing. Um, it looks like Kong is like a glove or something. Like he's got the Infinity Gauntlet or something. Not actually, but you know, he's like a claw or something. And the villain is like this giant monkey. Uh, not really much gotten on him. Looks like he's going to just be fighting these two. But there's a hilarious scene in the trailer where Godzilla and Kong are running, which it just makes no sense how Godzilla can run. But it just it makes it so, so funny. Um, going gonna to be interesting. I think that comes out next summer something maybe in the late late fall uh not late fall but late spring i should have said uh, i don't know i'm here for it i love it and i'd probably rewatch the trailer again because uh it just looked super super fun i just like it's like those kind of chaotic monster movies i actually heard godzilla minus one is like another godzilla movie that like a japanese studio put out and i've been hearing good reviews about that i don't know if i'm gonna check it out personally but i'll have to see because uh, i'm all about the movies i'm all about watching all the movies it's so fun it's so fun watching all of the uh, just giant, giant creatures fighting each other. I mean, yeah, yeah, I hate to love it. It's like Transformers. I'm a huge Transformers guy, and I'm friends with some people who are Transformers haters, which I just don't understand. I personally, personally love Transformers. I find it so, so entertaining. Um, Optimus Prime, one of my favorite, favorite, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, fictional, fictional characters of all time, if you want to say that, but um, I, I don't know. Good, good, good times. Good times with those movies. But um, let's move into something that is not really good times, and that is the college football playoffs, which some controversy went down this weekend. Oh my gosh, we had some uh, we had some chaos to say the least. I actually have the official rankings up here for you. Um, actually, did they? Uh, actually, I should double check this if they released. Any info on like what's actually next for every team? I know they're still kind of trying to figure out like the bowl schedule or whatever. And I was trying to see actually if they like they did the thing where they kind of say what's what's next for every single one of the teams. Um, I don't think they did unfortunately. So I'll just I'll just kind of talk about the rankings. Um, the official college football playoff rankings, Michigan will be number one after they shut out Iowa to win the Big Ten Championship. Uh, number two, Washington finished 13-0 as well. And number two, they won the Pac-12, beating Oregon. Number three is Texas with a 12-1 record. They actually jumped from the seven spot to the number three spot. How about that? After their win, I don't know who Texas beat even. I'll be honest. Did they beat Oklahoma State? I think that's what it was. They beat Oklahoma State or something. And at number four, after upsetting Georgia, Alabama jumps from eight to four and has somehow made the college football playoffs. Absolutely crazy. Um, Florida State University, who goes thirteen and zero, wins their conference championship or whatever. 
gets snubbed. Everyone's pissed about it. Everyone's mad. But at the end of the day, nothing to do. I actually thought Florida State should have been in. No, I, just, I, don't know, I don't even know how Texas got in, personally. It's pretty crazy there. Um, Georgia drops from the number one seed all year to six after losing to Alabama. I don't get how they get bumped, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't get how they lose one game to Bama, all right? By the way, Texas beat Bama, and they aren't even going to play it, all right? Alabama's going to play Michigan, and Washington's going to play Texas. So I don't know if they're trying to set up like a Texas and Alabama matchup or something. I have no idea what's going on. It's, it's pretty hectic. Ohio State... Finishes 11-1 and one, uh, there at 7. Oregon finishes 11-2 and two at 8. Missouri finishes 10-2 and two at 9. Same record for uh, Old Miss at 11. Oklahoma at 12. LSU 13. Arizona jumps up to 14 with a victory. Uh, Louisville down to 15. Notre Dame finishes at 16. Iowa, you know what, finished at 17 with a 10-3 season, but good for them. They made the Big Ten Championship, and my cousin goes there. I'm actually going to visit there next year. Maybe we'll do a podcast episode. North Carolina State, uh, nine and three. They finish at eighteen. Um, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Clemson, and Liberty finishes their season thirteen and zero at the twenty three spot. Good for them. A little perfect season for Liberty. But yeah, big stuff to come as Michigan will take on Bama. Washington will take on Texas. I don't know who to predict. If I'm being honest, I, I'm probably gonna root for Michigan and Washington to win. It'd be a pretty Pretty unique championship, national championship, but kind of sad Florida State didn't get in. I don't. I saw Donald Trump was tweeting about it. I found that funny that Donald Trump is actually tweeting like he cares if Florida State makes it in. But you no, know, if he was president, maybe he could have overruled some. But the committee kind of did a poor job of this. Um, I don't think Texas should have been in. I think it should have been Bama and Florida State, if anything. And honestly, I mean, it, it, this it, it was one of those years where at least something happened where like you didn't have a clear top four. There was actually controversy. So this does make it interesting. It gets people talking about college football for one thing. But personally, college football is more entertaining than the NFL. But due to being able to bet, due to being able to fantasy football, just NFL's bigger in general, the NFL will always get more views. But college football, man, this is the future, the future of the game. It's so fun watching watching these kids play. And it's weird to think that some of them are my age, a year younger, two years younger, a year older than me. So, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. Pretty fun to watch uh, my my team, the Mavericks here at Minnesota State. We are in D2, and we suck. We suck at uh, we suck at everything right now. We're good at hockey usually. I don't know how we're doing this season, though. I don't know if we're going to make the Frozen Four. I hope so. I hope we make the Frozen Four, and that maybe I could go to it. I think it's in Minneapolis this year. Pretty, pretty unique there. And actually, this is like... One of the rare times I've actually timed make it to 30 minutes before hopping into like our two big categories. So if anyone knows, especially for the NFL season, um, I don't know what we're actually forgot what I did at before the NFL season I and mean, how I filled up so much time talking. But um, we're going to recap uh, week 13 of the NFL. We had some banger games and um, we still have the Jaguars and the Bengals to play tonight. But as for the rest of the games, I went nine and three. On my predictions, with the Bengals and Jaguars still to come, I predicted the Jaguars. So good stuff there. We're going to go over each matchup, talk a little bit about fantasy and stuff, and just kind of go over everything that went down. And then we'll wrap everything up with UFC Austin. I'm going to give myself a quick little break, but then I'll be back to recap.
With 13 games going down between Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good week 13. I won't lie, good weekend of some NFL games, some NFL action. But uh, yeah, let's let's dive into everything. Starting us off with uh, what was it? Thursday night's matchup between the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Actually, you know what? Before I do that, let me just dive into my fantasy teams real quick, because guess what? Guess what? We are looking at a potential second straight week of going 4-0, 4-0 in my, um, all four of my leagues. So in one league, I'm up 31. I have Calvin Ridley, and my opponent has Travis Etienne, so I'm pretty confident Calvin Ridley in a 31-point league can beat Travis Etienne. I'm behind by 31 points in one league. I have Trevor Lawrence and Joe Mixon. My opponent doesn't have anyone, so in case we need T-Law and Joe Mixon to pop off. Um, I absolutely destroyed one of my buddies in uh, my Cato league. I'm up by 96, and he just has Calvin Ridley in tonight, so that's a pretty good feeling. And I blew out my cousin. I'm up by f- uh, cousin Ryan in the family league. Six-man All-Star League. I'm up by 54, and I have Travis Etienne still to play tonight, so I'm feeling pretty good about all of that. But um, yeah, let's dive into uh, that Seahawks-Cowboys game, because guess what? The Cowboys came out on top. It was an absolute barn burner, an actual, an actual really good game, if I'm being honest. It was actually a really good game. Um, back and forth, back and forth the whole way. I mean... We kick off the first quarter. It's 10-7. All right. CeeDee Lamb is catching touchdowns. DK Metcalf is catching touchdowns. Excellent stuff there. Second quarter, two touch, uh, two two touchdowns for the um, Seahawks and a touchdown and a field goal for the Cowboys. So stuff was getting pretty close. Two touchdowns in the third, one for each team. And then the fourth quarter, though, um, despite being up Brandon Aubrey field goal, Jake Ferguson touchdown that Brandon Aubrey game uh, leading field goal gave the Cowboys the victory. But it was fun. It was a fun game. I can't remember what I was doing Thursday. I think I was recording the other podcast and then I somewhat caught the end. I feel like I was doing something. I honestly can't remember, but uh, yeah, overall, pretty good game performance. DK Metcalf drops 37.4 fantasy points. Geno Smith drops 29. Zach Charbonnet, 16.9. For the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb drops 32. Dak Prescott, 28. And Jake Ferguson, 19. Um, Geno throws for 334 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Charbonnet rushes for 60 yards and touchdown. Actually, Geno Smith ran in a touchdown. DK Metcalf, though, six catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. An incredible performance. From DK Metcalf for Dallas, Dak Prescott, man, you could be looking at the NFL's MVP. It's he's kind of giving himself a case here. 299 yards, three touchdowns. Tony Pollard ran for 68 yards and a touchdown. CD Lamb and crazy 12 catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. Jake Ferguson six catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. And Brandon Cooks four catches, 45 yards and a touchdown. Just in a, just a beautiful, a beautiful performance from the Cowboys. But there was there were some times where I thought, hey, maybe the Seahawks will do it. But no, they stuck it out. Cowboys are now nine and three, second in the NFC East, though, but only a game behind the Eagles now. 388 points put up by them. Um, they are actually are they are they the leaders? Let me let me double check. I know they have the most points scored in the NFC, but what about the Dolphins? Wow, you're actually looking at the best offense in the league. The Cowboys 388 points. 
put up 220 points given up, giving them a positive 168-point differential. Incredible stuff. Four-game win streak for the Cowboys. They're just looking amazing right now. Next weekend, they have a matchup with the Eagles. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You can't make this stuff up. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. They're taking some momentum in. And um, what's it What's it freaking called? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, what am I? I just lost my train of thought. I just got a notification that um, the Jaden McDaniel, J- Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and Marvin Harrison Jr. are the finalists for the 2023 Heisman Trophy. So that kind of had me thinking about who's going to win the uh, Heisman. But um, the Seahawks, the Seahawks, nonetheless, they are now third in the NFC West on a three-game losing streak, minus 26-point differential. Um, tough stuff for the Seahawks, man. They're, they were looking so promising. There's at one point we thought they might pass the 49ers, but they were passed by the Rams this week. So embarrassing stuff for the Seahawks next week. The Seahawks will be doing battle with the searching for the name, the 49ers. So tough matchups for both the Cowboys and the Seahawks next week. But um, let me just say, man, Dak Prescott, you keep doing your thing because it is beautiful. Um, what would uh, what do we kick everything up with? Ah, oh, yes, our twelve o'clock games. There were some good ones. There were some bad ones, and there was stuff in between. So we kick things off with the Chargers and the Patriots, and this was the worst game of the week. The Chargers win, and I quote, six to zero, six to zero, six to zero. And by the way, a field goal, two field goals for the Chargers in the second quarter was the only scoring of the game. Now, oddly enough, both 38 yarders from Cameron Dicker, so good stuff for him. But I mean, just atrocious play. Uh, leading fancy performer, all right? The Chargers, 14 points. Keenan Allen had 10. Quinton Johnson, 10. So absolutely nothing. Ezekiel Elliott, 13.2. Devontae Parker, 10.2. Bailey Zappi, 7. 7. Chargers, Justin Herbert throws for 212 yards. That's all he does. Eckler rushed for 18. Uh, Keenan Allen had five catches, 58 yards. Quinton Johnson, five catches, 50 yards. Another drop. Another bobble drop. I mean, this guy's a bad wide receiver. And he was drafted before Zay Flowers, might I add that. Um, Gerald Everett, four catches, 44 yards. Bailey Zappi plays the whole game, throws for 141 yards, rushes for 16. Zeke rushed for 52. Ramondre Stevenson, nine rushes for 39 yards. Did get hurt. He might be out for the season, unfortunately. Devontae Parker, four catches, 64 yards. Zeke, four catches, 40 yards. Hunter Henry, two catches, 15 yards. Actually, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster got a pass. Good for him. But yeah, just terrible play from two terrible teams. Uh, Chargers, though, snapped their losing streak. They're now 5-7. and seven, Third in the AFC West. Um, they, they do still have a positive point differential, though. But um, I don't know if the playoffs are going to be in their cards, though. This, this, they might be firing their head coach. They should probably fire Stanley. They should probably fire Stanley. Yeah. As for the Patriots, even worse, an even worse scenario. They're two and ten. Two and ten, the worst team in the AFC, second worst team in the league, in my opinion. Actually, I think officially they're officially the second worst team in the league. The worst offense, 148 points put up. 148 points put up. Mind, mind you, the Giants were on a bye with 159, and I was like, okay, the Patriots will at least get 12 points to pass them. No, Patriots' worst offense in the league, 254 points given up as well, leaving them in the minus 106-point differential. Five-game losing streak, just atrocious stuff from the Patriots. Nothing more to say. Um, I didn't play a single player in this game, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I, I think C.J. Stroud has earned his official starting spot over Justin Herbert on my team. Um, Cardinals and Steelers, this was a weird one. 
this was a really weird one. Um, weather delays. The weather was going crazy. It was rainy, windy, like cloudy, misty. Um, kept delaying the game. This game started at noon. Didn't get over to like four or five. It was a long day for them. Um, Cardinals beat the Steelers. The let me let me just mind you at the time. At the time, the three and ten now, the two and ten Cardinals beat the at the time seven and five fours now seven and five Steelers at home by two touchdowns, twenty four to ten. Trey McBride twenty two point nine fantasy points, a monster. James Conner twenty two point five points, ran all over them. Kyler Murray eleven point eight, he's up there at the number three spot. Uh, Deontay Johnson thirteen point three fantasy points. George Pickens twelve point six, I think he's earned his flex spot on my team. Um, Najee Harris nine point seven. I mean, yeah, I mean. It was, it was, I mean, at halftime, 10, 10 to 3 Cardinals were winning. Trey McBride caught a touchdown. Third quarter, James Carr rushed in a touchdown. Fourth quarter, James Carr rushed one in. And then Deontay Johnson catches a two-yard pass from Mitch Trubisky. All right, by the way, Kenny Pickett injuring himself out for the next week. Terrible stuff to see for Kenny. Um, Deontay Johnson catches a touchdown pass to bring them down 14. So they were previously down by 21. This makes them down 14 and starts celebrating with the game basically over. Just the terrible stuff from the Steelers. Kyler Murray, 145 yards and a touchdown. Nothing much going on throwing-wise. Trey McBride had eight catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Um, but it was the running game, man. James Conner, 25 rushes for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Michael Carter even. Didn't even know he was on the team. Four rushes, 25 yards. As for Pittsburgh, Pickett throws for 70 yards, got hurt. Trubisky throws for 117 yards and touchdown, did fumble. Pretty embarrassing. Najee rushed for 63, Warren for 59. Pickens, four catches, 86 yards. Devon, Deontay Johnson, four catches, 33 yards and touchdown. Pat Farmuth, who after dropping 20 points last week, had only three catches for 29 yards. So tough to be a Steelers fan, tough to be a Cowboys fan. Actually, my friend is a Steelers fan, so I did feel bad for him. Um, but uh, you know what? That's just how it goes. Steelers are now seven and five, second in the AFC North. You know, and here's the thing: the Steelers are actually ahead of the Bills to get into the playoffs. So you got, you got three extra spots after the division winners, and right now those are, those are probably filled by uh, Steelers, Browns, Colts, Texans. It's going to be a tie between those four at the moment. The Bills and the Broncos chasing those four teams. Incredible! It's going to be a crazy finish in the AFC, but um. Yeah, honestly, honestly, a lot of these divisions are wide open. Next weekend, though, Steelers play the Patriots. All right, so Steelers, if you don't beat the Patriots, there's something wrong with you. Let me just say that. That should be a very winnable game. I'll predict uh, that the Steelers get it done, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. And as for the Cardinals, I mean, here's a team. Who are you talking about? Oh, what draft pick are they going to get? They're now 3-10. and ten. They're not even the worst team in the league. Not even the second worst team in the league, all right? Now, they do have minus 101 point differential, all right? They, they did snap a losing streak with this. Uh, Cardinals 3-10, and 10, you know what? They get a bye next week. Good for them, you know, going in the bye on the win. Get, you know what? I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. I might move on from Kyler Murray. I might trade him to a team, maybe try and pick up a new QB. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Good win for the Cardinals at the noon slot. Um, next up, we had the Colts and Titans. This was an absolute heater. This was the only game my buddy Jaden did not predict the same as me, and it was funny. We were watching it, and we were just like, it was just going back and forth, back and forth, and um, it was an absolute heater. Um, top fantasy performers, Michael Pittman Jr., 27.5, Alec Pierce, 19, Gardner Minshew, 18.68. Derrick Henry on my bench in the six-man All-Star League, 25 points. DeAndre Hopkins, 18.9. And Taji Spears, 12.8. Good stuff there. Derrick Henry actually getting a concussion maybe in the game. Or he was in concussion protocol or something. Hopefully not. I would like to see him back for his Monday night matchup next week. 
Um, but yeah, just an absolute fun offensive game. Might I just might I just add that? I mean, ten to seven after the first quarter. Uh, Titans were up after Derrick Henry punched a touchdown. Derrick Henry punched in another one to put him up 17-7. to But after two more field goals, it was 17-16 at the half. Colts would take the lead in the third quarter before uh, Titans getting a touchdown. Colts field goal, Titans touchdown. Everything was going crazy, and we went to overtime. It was pretty fun. Nick Foe kicks a 46-yard field goal, but then Michael Pittman Jr. marches down the field with Gardner Minshew, and the Colts win in overtime on a touchdown. Such a fun matchup. Minshew, 312 yards and two touchdowns. Looked good today. No turnovers. Um, actually, two blocked punts for the Colts special teams. And the Titans fired their offensive coordinator or special teams coordinator after that. It was pretty funny. Um, Zach Moss rushes for uh, 51 yards. Not too not too hot there. But it was through the air. Pittman, 11 catches, 105 yards and a tutty. Uh, Alec Pierce, three catches, 100 yards and a tutty. Uh, Granson, the tight end, three catches, 72 yards. Josh Downs, three catches, 14 yards. Tennessee, Will Levis, 224 yards and a touchdown. Looked better today. Derrick Henry, 21 rushes for 102 yards and two touchdowns. And Taji Spears, 16 rushes for 75 yards. Who's getting in there? Hopkins catches five passes for 75 yards and a touchdown. Oconquo, the tight end, three catches, 62 yards. And everyone else got a couple of other passes. But, oh, man. It is shaping up to be a battle in the AFC South. Colts are now 7-5 and five and second in the AFC South. They're in the playoffs currently on a four-game heater. 300 points put up there in the 300 club. Uh, plus four point differential, though. They've given up to a 96. And as for the Titans, bottom of the AFC South, minus 42-point differential, 4-8 record. It's not looking too hot if you're a Titan, but the Colts, man... Their team should not be here right now after losing Anthony Richardson, but damn right, they are. Damn right. I absolutely love to see it. Colts next weekend will be doing battle with the... Who are they taking on? Who are they taking on? You know, I love how I can't read my own writing. Well, they take on the Bengals. So we'll see how the Bengals do tonight against the Jaguars to see who I pick. But I might be riding with these Colts who are on fire as of late. As for the Titans, Monday night matchup with the Dolphins. Yeah, it could get ugly in that game. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, ooh, Broncos and Texans, another absolute banger of a game in the noon slot. Um, Texans win 22 to 17, but it was a close one, man. Um, it was, it was 13 rip. All right. And then right before the end of the first half, Will Lutz was able to hit a field goal, make it 13-3. Then it was 16-3. Then a 45-yard touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton from Russell Wilson made it 16 to 10. Nico Collins would then punch it in to make it 22 22 to uh, 10. Wilson would score a touchdown. And then defenses would go back and forth the rest of the quarter. Texans holding on for the victory. Wilson gets 15 fancy points. Sutton gets 15 fancy points. Javante Williams, 10. But Nico Collins gets a massive 34.1 fantasy performance. CJ Stroud, a casual 16, and the Houston D got 12. Good stuff from the Houston. Defense Tank Dell sadly tearing his fibula or something in his leg, doing something. He's out for the year. The standout wide receiver this year. Sucks to see him. Sadly, sucks to see him that just getting being out the rest of this year, but he'll be back next year and hopefully bring the fire. Um, Wilson, 186 yards, one touchdown, three picks. 
Right? They showed a graphic before the game. He had the best um, touchdown interception ratio in the in this in the uh, NFL with a twenty to four, and he throws three picks this game, so it's pretty funny. Javante Williams rushes for forty six yards. Wilson rushes for forty four yards and a touchdown. Actually, Judy three catches fifty one yards. Sutton two catches seventy seven yards and a touchdown. Not much else going on for the Broncos, man. C.J. Stroud two hundred seventy four yards and a touchdown was getting it done. Damian Pierce, 15 rushes for 41 yards and a touchdown. Singletary, only 36 rushing yards. Nico Collins, though, the best wide receiver performance of the week, probably. Um, it was up there. Nine catches, 191 yards and a touchdown. Um, did Singletary have any catches? No. So he put up, like, no points. I think he put up five, actually. I don't know. Yeah, he had one catch for four yards. But, um, man, this Texans team getting another freaking win. Texans are now third in the AFC South, 7-5. and five. Tied for a second, actually, with the Colts. They might be in the playoffs. I don't know if they are. Actually, I don't think they are, now that I'm looking at it. They do have a pretty positive uh, plus 40, if they have plus, no, plus 32 point differential. Good win for them. CJ Stroud putting up some MVP-like numbers. I love to see it. Um, Texans next weekend. They bow the Jets. That's a winnable game. Broncos will be doing battle with the Chargers. Two winnable games for both these teams. How about that? you love to see it. Another absolute... Oh, this was the game I was watching a majority of. The Lions and the Saints. This was another heater of a game. I loved it. Lions win 33-28. to 28. Sam Laporta puts up 29 fantasy points as a tight end. Incredible. I had him and I played him. It was a win-lose situation. Jared Goff, 16 fantasy points. Monroe St. Brown, 12.9. Pretty quiet week from him. Alvin Kamara explodes for 28.9. Chris Olave, 16.9. Taysom Hill, my favorite dual threat tight end with 15. Let me just say, um, the first seven minutes of the game, three touchdowns from the Lions. Dave Montgomery run, Sam Laporta catch, Amon Ross St. Brown catch. And I was like, wow, this is getting ugly. Second quarter, though, Jimmy Graham was able to catch a touchdown pass from Derek Carr. And then it was 24-7 after a Riley Patterson field goal. But coming out in the third quarter, I mean, the Saints were not ready to back down. An Alvin Kamara touchdown, a Taysom Hill touchdown. Had this more of a game, and Riley Patterson would knock in a field goal, putting the lines up more. Jameson Williams would then score a touchdown run. Um, failed two-point conversion, but then Alvin Kamara, seven and a half minutes left in the fourth, would punch in a touchdown. But the Saints were not able to convert to round out the game as Sadly, Derek Carr did come out with a injury. I don't know what happened to him. His leg, his ribs, or something. But unfortunately, he can heal. James Winston came in, but it was too little, too late. So the Detroit statistics. Derek Goff, 213 yards and two touchdowns. David Montgomery, 56 yards and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs rushed for 60 yards. Um, Jameson Williams, of course, um, wide receiver, ran in on a little screen pass, a 19-yard touchdown. Sam Laporta, nine catches, 140 yards and a touchdown. Most catches on the team. Monroe St. Brown, two rushes, or two catches for 49 yards at touchdown. That was it. That was all that was pretty much going on. Derek Carr, 226 yards, touchdown and a pick. James Winston came in and on two throws at 41 yards. Alvin Kamara, 51 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Impressive stuff there. Taysom Hill rushed for 59 yards at a touchdown. <laughs> Crazy stuff from him. Um, Olave, five catches, 119 yards. Kamara, six catches, 58 yards. And Taysom Hill, two catches, 15 yards. And, of course, Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown. But, um, yeah, tough one. Lions, you know, they, they were looking so hot, and then they just kind of dwindled off, like kind of in, after the second half. They kept their mojo, though. They're now 9-3. and three. They're honestly tied for second-best team in the NFC in general. Only one game now behind the dominant Eagles. We'll get to them later. But, um, yeah, Lions 9-3, and three, 327 points for. They entered the 300 club this week. 
Um, so they have a positive, like, 41-point differential, actually, coming off of a win. Good stuff for the Lions. They'll carry it into next week as they will be greeting the Bears. So a winnable game there, but uh, we'll see how the Bears do after a well-rested week. As for their opponent, the Saints, 5-7, and seven, third in the NFC South, three-game losing streak, plus two-point differential. So it's kind of weird how that works. Next weekend, the Saints will be playing the Panthers. So a winnable game, a winnable game, a winnable game. But the Saints team, I don't know if they can get it done. They're just so awkwardly bad. They, they have good moments, and then they dwindle. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, good win for the Lions, man. You're sending the NFC North to the Super Bowl, maybe. Maybe you'll play the Vikings in the NFC Championship. I have no, I doubt that'll happen. Falcons and Jets, a doozy, a doozy of the of the week. It was a, it was a pretty brutal, pretty brutal matchup. I won't lie, there was little little to enjoy in this game. Thirteen to eight, the Falcons win. Atlanta defense though, getting me sixteen points. I was all here for it. John Robinson, ten point nine points. Kyle Pitts, nine point one. Xavier Gibson, wide receiver of the Jets, twelve point eight points was their leading performer. Jets D had eleven. Brees Hall, ten point five. Um, first quarter, we kick off the game with a safety, with a safety. Um, then um, uh, McCall Pruitt, 20-yard touchdown pass. Greg Zerlein field goal. Yokozu field goal. Had it at 10-5 at halftime. Very awkward score there. Field goal from Greg Zerlein in the third, and a field goal from Young Huku in the third would be the only point scored as the defenses went back and forth in the fourth quarter. Desmond Ritter, 121 yards passing, one touchdown. Bijan rushed for 53. Tyler Gere rushed for 26. Cal Pitts, four catches, 51 yards. Of course, Michael Pruitt had one catch for 20-yard touchdown. The Jets, Tim Boyle, 148 yards in interception. I don't know if he got benched or if he got injured, but Trevor Simeon came in, threw for 66 yards. Dalvin Cook rushed for 35 yards. Fumbled, of course. Brees Hall, 16 yards rushing. Xavier Gibson, though, some random wide receiver, five catches, 77 yards. Garrett Wilson, three catches, 50 yards. Just not much to love in this game. Not much to love at all. It was boring. Just no excitement. Um, Falcons, though. Two-game win streak, 6-6. Six and six. They're leading the NFC South. All right, it's crazy we have to send someone from the NFC South to the playoffs. If it was up to me, I'd send, okay, if I get to send uh, anyone else, of course I'm sending uh, the Ram. Actually, I don't know. NFC, uh, AFC is better than the NFC this year, honestly, in some regards. But, um, yeah, Falcons are 6-6 six and six with a minus 14-point differential. They're on a two-game win streak. As I mentioned, you know, good win for the Falcons. Getting it done. They're now a game ahead of the Bucks and the Saints. Um, next weekend, the Falcons get to play the Buccaneers. Another another winnable game, honestly, if I'm being honest. If I'm being honest. As for the Jets, so it's bad. It's bad to be a Jet. 4-8. and eight. Only 171 points put up. Not even in the 200 club yet. We're talking about 300 club teams. This team's not even in the... This is one of the worst offenses in the league. Defense, giving up 251. This is because they're out there too much. It's just because they're out there too much. Five-game losing streak. This Jets team is doomed. We'll wait till next season for Aaron Rodgers. But, man, tough, tough luck. Um, Who did I mention? They played Texans next week. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win that one. I don't think you're stopping C.J. Stroud. Best offensive performance. Yeah, this was, this was the best offense. Best offensive performance of the week, in my opinion. The uh, Miami Dolphins blow out the Commanders to no one's surprise. 45 to 15. Another insane performance from Tyreek Hill. 32 fantasy points. Devin Achani getting back to his ways. 25 fantasy points and Tua 19. Sam Howell was the only person trying on the Commanders. 19 fantasy points. Antonio Gibson at 11. Curtis Samuel 10. Um, yeah, we kicked off the first quarter and it was the 17 rip. 
All right, at halftime, you know, I know what it was. I know what it was at halftime. 31 to 7. Okay. Devin Achani punched in two touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter, respectively. And yeah, that was that. Just a dominant performance from Miami. Tua, 280 yards and two touchdowns. Achani rushed for 73 yards and two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, even 43 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, five catches, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Waddle, five catches, 52 yards. Achani, three catches, 30 yards. I mean, just. That's the dominant performance from this Miami team. Defense was looking good, too. Sam Howell, 127 yards and a pick, but he did rush in two touchdowns. That's what he did, only on 21 yards, though. Brian Robinson Jr., 53 yards rushing. Antonio Gibson, 35. Curtis Samuel, four catches, 65 yards. Antonio Gibson, four catches, 37 yards. No catches for Terry McLaurin. How about that? How about that? Terry McLaurin, a permanent bench spot on my team. Oh, man. Wow. Just a shocking, shockingly bad for the Commanders this year. Wow. Dolphins 9-3, and three, three games ahead now in the AFC East. Uh, one of the best teams in the NFL in general. 384 points for. They're approaching that 400 mark. 266 points against, though. They've been getting better. You know, what is that? 100. Is that like 100 and either 118 or 108 point differential? Pretty impressive. Three-game win streak. Like what I'm seeing from this Dolphins team, man. They play the Titans next week. Another winnable game. As for the Commanders, I mean, where to begin? 4-9, four-game losing streak, even up 395 points. No other uh, team is that close, all right? They're about to enter the 400 club in points given up, all right? Offense has put up 261, but 4-9, Commander's season is over. It's easy to divvy up who's, who's, who's in the top half of the league and who's in the bottom half. The Commanders are in the bottom half. And who do they get to play next week? No one. They get a much-needed buy. You can catch them back in Week 15 when they uh, play the uh, Rams. But they need a buy. They definitely, definitely need a buy. Heading into our 3.30 games, we kicked off a little Buccaneers and Panthers action. And guess what? The Panthers almost won. 21-18, the Bucks hold on for the victory. Man, I was so sad. I was really over the Panthers and pulled the upset. I did pick the Bucks though. So I was kind of like, I, I, you know, I picked them, so who cares? But, oh, man, they almost did it. They almost did it. I mean, just kicking off the first half, all right? 7-3, very close. Touchdown from each team in third. Touchdown from each team in the fourth. And it turned out that lone field goal from, uh, or actually, no, that it was, uh, what was it? What am, why am I doing this weird? So it was 7-3. Then it was 10-7. Uh, to 7. Panthers are winning. Then 14-10. Oh, it was 21-10. Chubba Hubbard got a touchdown. Then Bryce Hung ran in for two. And then the defense got big. Okay, that's what happened. I was trying, trying to see. Bryce Young, 178 yards and an interception. Chubb Hubbard, though, 25 rushes, 104 yards and two touchdowns. He's definitely going to start and spot in my team next week. Uh, Mingo, six catches, 69 yards. DJ Chark, three catches, 56. And I'm Thielen, three catches, 25. Mingo becoming the top target on the team. Baker Mayfield, 202 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Shad White rushed for 84 yards and a touchdown. Actually, Chris Godwin, one rush for 19 yards and a touchdown. Mike Evans having a field day, seven catches, 162 yards and a touchdown. He was doing it all for the Buccaneers. Yeah, Bucks though, 5-7, and seven, snap a big losing streak, second in the NFC South now, minus 12-point differential. But honestly, this team is not as bad as their record makes them out to seem. They just lose close games. Thankfully, they won a close one here. They do play the Falcons next week. Going to be torn on who I pick in that one. As for the Panthers, 1-11, five-game losing streak, the worst team in the league, 191 points for, not even in the 200 club, 313 points against. They're in the giving up 300 points. This is just not a good team. They just don't do well. The only good thing the last two weeks has been Chubba Hubbard. 
Panthers next week, they get fed. Uh, they play the Saints. I shouldn't say get fed. That's a winnable game for them. But honestly, honestly, that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game right there. We'll, we'll see if they can execute. But um, Panthers, you know what? I hope you can win at least two more games this year. I doubt if they'll win one. We'll see. Game of the week, without a doubt. Despite a blowout. Despite being a blowout, this was still a very entertaining game. 49ers beat the Eagles 42-19. This is crazy. The 49ers have now blown out the Eagles and the Cowboys. Brock Purdy, man, you do your thing. Um, 42-19. Debo Samuel, 35.8 fantasy points. Brock Purdy, 29.46. Christian McCaffrey, 22.3. All right. Devontae Smith, 24.6. Jalen Hurts, 23.92. And A.J. Brown, 19.4. Debo, man, having himself a game. Right, so let me just say, it started off 6-0 with two field goals for Jake Elliott in the first quarter. 49ers were doing terrible. Second quarter, though, an Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey touchdown. It was 14-6, to and in the half, tide was turning. Third quarter, Debo punches in two freaking touchdowns. Jalen Hurts punched one in, too, but 49ers were pulling out to a league. Juwan Jennings then caught a touchdown. Devontae Smith then caught a touchdown, and you know what? It, was, it wasn't looking unrealistic. All right, it was 35-19. to 19. All right, the Eagles just need to get the ball back. And then Debo Samuel caught a 46-yard pass from Brock Purdy. Incredible stuff. Debo having a career day. Um, just amazing stuff. Brock Purdy, 314 yards, four touchdowns. All right, 19 of 27 completions. I mean, come on. You just, he's that good. McCaffrey rushed for 17, uh, rushed 17 times for 93 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, three rushes for 22 yards and a touchdown. And like I said, he doesn't throw to many, but Debo, four catches, 116 yards and two touchdowns. George Kittle, four catches, 68 yards. Ayuk, five catches, 46 yards and a tutty. Jawan Jennings, three catches, 44 yards and a tutty. And McCaffrey, three catches for 40 yards. I mean, this 49ers offense was looking outstanding. Jalen Hurts, 298 yards and a touchdown, leaves the game with a supposed concussion. He then comes back in, but Marcus Mariota, is who I forgot is on the Eagles, stepped in and threw for 16 yards. Hurts, 20 rushes, one touchdown. DeAndre Swift, only six rushes for 13 yards, got shut down. A.J. Brown, eight catches, 114 yards. Devontae Smith, best wide receiver on the day, nine catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Man, just, man, crazy that the Eagles lose. They're now 10-2, 329 points for, 288 points against. The defense has been kind of collapsing. Second loss of the year for the supposed favorites for the championship. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. Tough one next week, too, as they will play the Cowboys. I believe that's on Monday night. Actually, is it Sunday night football? I don't know, but I don't know if they're going to win that one. Cowboys have been rolling. But then again, the Cowboys don't historically do well against teams that are ranked higher than them. We'll see. 49ers, 9-3 now. Four-game win streak, 352 points put up. Only 189 points against. This very male might be the best team in the league. They have the best point differential. Without a doubt. Can I do some quick mass here? They have a plus, so that's 11. I think they have a plus 163 point differential. I don't know. This 49ers team has been looking spicy. They play the Seahawks next week. Those divisional games can get tricky, but I'm liking this 49ers team for the playoffs. Final 330 game, we had the Rams and the Browns. Joe Flacco, 16 fantasy points. Uh, H. Bryant, or is it Harrison Bryant, 15.9. Jerome Ford, 14.2. Puka Nakua, back to his ways, 23.9. Matthew Stafford, 22.96. And Kyrene Williams, 20.2 as the Rams win 36-9. Don't be mistaken, though, this was a close game the whole way until touchdowns from Cooper Cup, Kyrene Williams, and a safety 
gave them a freaking out of nowhere 16 point lead it was it was like the game the game was or 17 point lead i should say because it was like everything was chill everything was going chill it was actually pretty it was actually pretty close and then seemingly out of seemingly out of nowhere i mean just a ton of points from the rams and yeah rams pulled away Joe Flacco, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Looked better than whatever other Browns wide receivers I had seen of late. Kareem Hunt rushed the most times for 48 yards. Uh, Elijah Moore, four catches, 83 yards. Harrison Bryant, five catches, 49 yards, and a tutty. Jerome Ford, three catches, 33 yards, and a tutty. Uh, Mari Cooper, only three catches for 34 yards. I think he hurt himself. Matthew Stafford, 279 yards and three touchdowns was looking great. Kyrene Williams rushed 21 times for 88 yards and a touchdown. Puka Nakua, four catches, 105 yards and a tutty. Uh, to uh, to do out well, no. Who's Robinson? Demarcus Robinson, 105 yards. Who who was that? That was Demarcus Robinson. How about that? Cooper Cup, six catches, 39 yards, a touchdown. Finally did something this week. I was I was winning anyways, but still, finally did this something this week. Rams picking up a big win now, six and six, three game win streak. They've swapped spots with the Seahawks for second in the NFC West, and they have a plus 15 point differential now. How about that? Good stuff from the Rams. The Rams will play the Ravens next week. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I like their odds in that. Uh, So the Browns, third now in the AFC North, 7-5, plus 13-point differential. Two-game losing streak, though. The Steelers have passed them. But both those teams are not looking too odd as of late, losing their QBs. We'll, uh, We'll see what happens. But, man, good win for the Rams. And around out week 13, of course, we have the Jaguars in. Bengals tonight, but uh, our Sunday Night Football game, a crazy upset. I just, of course, they had to, of course, it's the team I hate the most that had to do it. The Packers beat the Chiefs 27 to 19. Insane. Zay Pacheco, though, 21.3 fantasy points. Rasheed Rice, 14.4. Patty Mahomes, 13. Christian Watson, 27.6 fantasy points. Jordan Love, 23.68. And Romeo Dabbs, 11.2. From the get-go, just, just, I could not believe I was watching. 14-6, to heading into halftime. Chiefs couldn't even get a touchdown. Finally got one, uh, but they were down 14-12 to before a Christian Watson touchdown in the third quarter. Put them up 21-12. to Two more field goals from the Chiefs, and a Noah Gray touchdown would land the Chiefs with one last shot to throw a Hail Mary. And I won't lie, there was some bad pass interference calls on that final drive, but um, when it's a... When it's a skirmish for a Hail Mary, you can't really call uh, pass interference because everyone's going up over each other trying to get the ball. But, hey, man, crazy, crazy stuff. Patrick Mahomes, 210 yards, a touchdown and an interception, just not prone to his MVP capabilities. Isaiah Pacheco, though, 110 yards rushing, a touchdown. I freaking love this guy. I'm so glad he's on my fantasy team. She Rice, eight catches, 64 yards. Travis Kelsey, four catches, 81 yards. They were doing their thing, but the Packers, though. Jordan Love, 267 yards, three touchdowns. A.J. Dillon rushed for 73 yards. Romeo Dobbs, four catches, 72 yards. Christian Watson, seven catches, 71 yards, and two touchdowns. A touchdown magnet. And the who, whoever the who the heck, um, who, Ben Sims. Ben Sims caught a touchdown pass. He's like the backup tight end or something. I don't know. Sadly, I have to admit, good win for the Packers. Chiefs now 8-4. and four. Uh, They do have a plus... Was it 69 or 67-point differential? But, I mean, I you know, they'll win the AFC West, but, I mean, 
I don't know how this Chiefs team is going to stack up with the Ravens or the Dolphins in the playoffs. I know they've already played this year, but the team's just been kind of looking off as of late. Um, Chiefs next week, they get a matchup with the Bills. Ooh, that'll be a good one. That'll be that's what I'm excited for. As for the Packers, oh, the Packers six and six, still below the Vikings in the AFC North due to um, us having beat them. They do boast a plus fifteen point differential. Three game win streak though for the Packers. Their entire season has been turned eight rounds. Team was three and six, and now they're six and six. So Packers, man, they're rallying. They're looking to do uh, getting into playoffs. Who knows if they will? But um, they play the Giants next week, so that's a winnable game for them. Uh, good win for Jordan Love, man. I just got to give you respect. I just got to give respect. You know, I hate giving the Packers respect, you know, but I got to be a respectable, respectable guy. Whole lot of NFL action. Whole lot of fun. I actually watched, like, all the games this week. You know, I actually, watching all the games kind of tires me out, if I'm being honest. It kind of tires me out just because of watching every game, in and out, in and out. But, um, hey, you know what? It was worth it. I had a fun time watching them. And uh, I'll continue to do that the next month or two. Actually, yeah, two months. Two more months of NFL. But yeah, that's all we got for NFL Talk. The rest of the episode as to round us out. We will be recapping all the fights from UFC Austin. It was an amazing card, but uh, I need I need a break. I need a quick little break. I can't believe how long I can go on about NFL for. I think I just went 37 minutes straight up talking about NFL. But um, I can't wait to talk about all the fights from uh, this past weekend. We'll get to that in a second. Stay tuned. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, let's round out this fun, fun episode, but long, long as always, over an hour. But I suppose not. I listen to some Joe Rogan podcasts that are like over like three hours, like three and a half hours, and sometimes I think like, oh, I guess, I guess mine aren't that bad. They're not that long, but still, nonetheless, we talk about a lot of things. And the last thing we'll be talking about is UFC Fight Night, Darius versus Tzukrian, with went down in Austin, Texas, went down in Austin, Texas, this past Saturday. It was an absolute blast. We got a lot of fights to talk about. Let's kick it off. And we started out the evening with kind of a boring fight, all right? The first fight, all right, it's the first prelim, okay? It's not supposed to be that exciting. But exactly after this, the night just went through the roof of excitement. So we kicked off the night. Veronica Hardy fighting Jamie Lynn Horth. Veronica Hardy wins a split decision. Improving two, eight, four, and one. And actually, what was she on? She was like one and four. She was like two and four in the UFC. So this was a big win for her. Good job to uh, Veronica Hardy. I didn't think she would get it done. Jamie Lynn Horth suffers her first professional defeat. Totals from the fight. Significant strikes. Both women had 43 and both women landed a takedown. Looks like Veronica won round one and round two and Jamie Lynn Horth won round three, but it was too little too late. Good stuff for the ladies, but um, I had nothing really to talk about in this fight. Just... Just your typical boring female MMA fight. Nothing, nothing to be offensive, you know, but just saying nothing too exciting. But then we got into our first finish of the evening. And by the way, every single finish on the night earned a performance bonus, except for one, which got a fight of the night. So Dato is feeling generous tonight as Jared Gooding gets a comeback victory on Wellington Terman to win a round in round two with a rear naked troll cold. Round one, Wellington Terman landing a takedown, almost almost um, submitting him, almost knocking him out at times. Round two, Jared Gooden started fighting back, getting in the mix. He um, almost drops him, lands a takedown. 
gets his back and submits him with a rear naked chokehold. Excellent win for Jared Gooden, snapping a two-fight losing streak. Love to see it. He is 2-4 and four in the UFC, but with a performance like that, a comeback performance like that, he'll be around for a while. As for Wellington Terman, he is now on a three-fight losing streak and is an embarrassing 3-6 and six in the UFC. I don't know if Wellington will be around long, but Jared Gooding getting his eighth career submission victory. Good win for the Georgia native. You'll love to see it, man. You'll love to see it. Um, but yeah, just, you know, he was, he was almost out at times. Um, Wellington was almost getting him out there on the feet. Jared hung in there, came back in round two, got it done. Third fight of the evening, our fight of the night. Another absolute crazy fight, another comeback as Rodolfo Bellato gets a round two TKO of Ayor Poteria. Oh my goodness, what just what more to say? What more do you want me to say? Just exciting stuff. Rodolfo Bellato, seventh KO victory. Good stuff for the uh, new debut fighter in the UFC. Um, Rodolfo getting outstruck by Pateria brutally in round number one, um, 37 to 18, uh, significantly 42 to 27 overall. Heading into round two, you know, Ior actually dropped Bellato with a punch, but that would not stop Bellato. He manages to get back to his feet, land a takedown, land some ground and pound, and with just about 40 seconds left in the fight, the ref stops it. Rodolfo Bellato, welcome to the UFC. But I won't lie, I had Ayor Portero winning by knockout him. To, no, not to my surprise, Rodolfo Bellato got dropped again. Guess what now? On a little two-fight win streak professionally. Good stuff for him. Masrayo um, Patera now two two straight knockout losses, and he's now 1-3 in, in the UFC, all three of those losses by knockout. Rodolfo, though, getting it done. Good win for Bellato in the uh, light heavyweight division. Keep going, man. You know, both both fighters got fight the night bonus, um, so which means I'm assuming both will stick a round. After this, though, things got pretty freaking nuts. Jakar Close and Joe Selecki started this off. And just, you know, Joe Selecki from the get-go pressuring him, trying to land a takedown, like just all over him. Joe Selecki um, is insane because he actually has, um, what is it? Eight career submission victories. He has eight come, eight submission victories of his 13 professional wins. So this guy loves to get people to the ground and submit them. But Jakar Klaus would not go down. Um, Joe locked in just what looked like an armbar or something, or an arm triangle or something, or it was an armbar. He locked in an armbar. Jakar Klaus slams him down the ground on his head and knocks him out. A slam finish for Jakar Klaus. Absolutely beautiful. Jakar's sixth career victory by knockout. His 14th professionally improves the 14. Two and one is now on a three-fight win streak. Six and one, by the way. His last um, seven fights has only lost to Benil Dariush since 2020. Jakar Close looking amazing. Honestly, I was loving what I was seeing from Jakar. Um, as for Joe, tough, tough, tough stuff there. Snaps a two-fight winning streak for him. Um, but Jakar, man, I love to see. And that was crazy. Um, I believe it was only, it was either the, I think it was either the 13th or 12th um, slam finish in UFC history. Um, super rare thing. Never see it before. Uh, you rarely see it. Um, but man, just absolutely crazy. Jakar Close getting a slam finish. And honestly, I was seeing some uh, Instagram pages saying they want to throw Jakar Close in the rankings. Have him fight number 15 ranked Drew Dober. I love it at lightweight. That fight makes sense. I'm here for it. You can even have him fight Bobby Green, who just uh, who lost earlier. We'll, later, we'll get to him. But yeah, good stuff there. 
Next fight. You may be thinking Zach. All right. By the way, everyone who gets a got to finish gets a performance bonus. Extra 50K for the winners. Love it. And you may be like, okay. All right. How are you going to top that? Well, Cody Brundage taking on Zach Reese. By the way, Zach Reese, 6-0. All finishes. Cody Brundage. Three-fight losing streak. Um, his last fight, he was getting destroyed. Then one by DQ. Very controversial. Comes out, you know, Zach Reese is landing some uh, landing some punches on him, landing some stuff. Cody Brundage takes him down. Zach Reese la- la- locks, in, locks in, locks in a tight arm triangle. Cody Brundage picks him up, slams him on his head. A second back-to-back round one slam finish KO. Insane, insane. I think here's, this, here's the stat I saw on the TV. There have been 12 slam finishes in UFC history. There have also been, two, I think two of them happened tonight. That's what it was. Insane. Absolutely insane. Back-to-back slam finishes. Cody Brundage finishing undefeated Zach Reese. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe. I cannot believe that Cody Brundage won. This would have been my lock of the night, man. Oh, my gosh. Cody Brundage getting his fifth knockout victory, saving his UFC career. All right, this was him on his way out. Zach Reese on his way in. Man, Zachary suffered his first professional defeat, but man, I gotta give it to Cody Brundage. Impressive stuff. Impressive stuff landing a slam freaking finish. Are you kidding me, man? Are you freaking kidding me? That's actually awesome. I love it. I live for it. Good job to Cody Brundage. I don't know what's next for these, um, uh, what are they, middleweights, but oh man, just it, the fact that they were back to back slam finishes was unreal. Kicking off our uh, ending, I should say, ending our prelims, correct word, was Misha Tate taking on Julia Avila, um, ranked women's bantamweights. Um, interesting to see what was going to go down here. And Misha Tate came out ready to destroy. Round one, one for one on takedowns, four minutes and 54 seconds control time. There were six seconds around one she wasn't in control time. Total strikes 50 to one, significantly 16 to one. Round two, Misha Tate, one for two on takedowns, four minutes and 50 seconds of control time. 16 to two significantly, 69 to 10 total. 88% striking um, percentage in rounds one and two for Misha Tate. Round three, Misha Tate landed a takedown, locked in a rear naked chokehold, and that was that. Absolutely destroys Julia Avila. Snapping Julia Avila's. Oh, Julia Avila had only one one previous fight two years ago, but Misha Tate, man. Misha Tate will snap in a two-fight losing streak for Good job, Misha Tate. 20-9 and nine now professionally. Misha Tate gets her th- eighth career submission victory. Didn't think she was going to get done, but guess what? She did, man. The Washington native, 37 years old, the mom, getting it done. Honestly, she was ranked 12th. I'm honestly moving her up to 10th. I'm moving her up two spots. I liked what I saw from Misha Tate. Just lit this fire. Just lit this fire of just domination. And she she was like looking. I don't know what I was watching with all my buddies who don't watch a lot of fights. They kept saying she was hot, so it was super funny. Um, but man, good job, Demisha Tate. You're uh, you're on your way out, but guess what? You're going up in the rankings. Good job, Demisha Tate. Into submission victory destroys Julia Vila. Wow, um, Julia Vila. I don't know what's next for you. You can fight an unranked woman's bantamweight. I don't even know of any. But as for Misha Tate, I think she has a fight with Holly Holmes coming up. I really think she does. I think her and Holly Holmes, that fight just makes sense. I think it should happen. Um, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but um I certainly encourage that um the UFC makes that fight. I would I would definitely be excited to do that. But um yeah, good win for Misha Tate. Let's get into our main card, ladies and gentlemen. It was um 
it wasn't ideal, right? I won't say it was ideal, but um, I go three and three on my main card predictions, um, leaving us at 231 and 80 on the year. So 231 correct, 80 incorrect. And this event actually put me over 500 correct picks all time. So since 2020, I've predicted, this is all unofficially since I may have missed some, but I doubt I have, 502, um, 502 correct picks, 357 incorrect. So that's not too bad of odds. Honestly, it's not too bad of odds. Looking back now, um, we were technically up all time. We're technically up looking at it. But um, yeah, we kicked off the main card with Punaheli Soriano taking on Dustin Stolfus. And my gosh darn it, Punaheli Soriano lets me down yet again. Dustin Stolfus submits him in round number two. I, I just cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Punaheli Soriano at one point, at one point in his life, was 8-0 and with back-to-back round one knockouts. He's since gone 1-4. and It might be on his way out. might be on his way out. But Dustin Stolfus... No idea how he won this one. Impressive stuff. Round one, kicking off. Dustin's just out striking him. He took him down at one point. He dropped him with a punch. Dustin was looking good. Round two, goes three for three on takedowns. Takes him down. Locks in a rear naked choke. I mean, you just, he couldn't be denied. He couldn't be denied. Um, Three rear naked chokeholds tonight. Pretty, pretty crazy. Oh, man. Dustin Stolfus, uh, of course, had been knocked out by Albus Magomedov over a year ago in 19 seconds. Following that up with a win like this. He'll stay around in the UFC, man. Good, good job. That's all I can say. Um, Dustin's six, six career submission, 32-year-old from Pennsylvania. Staying in it. As for Punelli Soriano, man, I just, I have no faith in this kid anymore. He's not even a kid. He looks like a kid, and he's in his, like, early 30s. Um, if the UFC ever goes to Hawaii, we can throw him on the prelims at some point. But just embarrassing. That's all I can say. All I can say. Next fight up, Joaquin Silva and Clay Guida. I mean, this one was as crazy, as hectic, as advertised. You know, as average of a fight it was, I was still all for it. Um, Joaquin Silva wins by unanimous decisions, 29-28 across the board. Totals from the fight, 46-43 significant strikes in favor of Joaquin Silva. 85-63 to total in favor of uh, Joaquin Silva. Joaquin goes 2-for-3 on takedowns for 2 minutes and 35 seconds of control time. Clay Guida goes 2-for-11 for 4 minutes and 23 seconds. Round one, actually, Clay Guida outstriking Joaquim significantly, but towards the end of the round, Joaquim was pounding off on him and stole the round. Round two kicks off. Clay Guida coming out dominant, landing some takedowns, looking pretty good. Won, won, won the majority of the round. Round three, man, Joaquim just landed a takedown, was avoiding some of Clay's punches, and snuck away with it. It sucked to see, man, Clay Guida. I like watching him, man. He's so fun. This was like his 62nd or 63rd pro fight. It's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes, man. But uh, Clay Guida, two-fight losing streak now. And uh, since 2020, uh, he's gone three and four. I hope they can throw him on the UFC 300. Didn't look like he took too much damage. As for Joaquim Silva, you know, um, he's now uh, kind of average. He's kind of average. He's, he lost to Armand Zucrian last time out. But after tonight, it's more impressive Joaquim lasted until uh, the third round with Armin Tuzuki before he got knocked out. But Joakim Silva, good win for you. I'll give it to you. Um, 13-5, not professionally. Um, I don't know what to do with you. You're not really going to go up the lightweight rankings. You can fight anybody that's not a top dog. But um, let's get into our next four fights because they were all top 10 fighters, all eh, top 15, I'll say, all of them. But um, we kicked it off. Sean Brady taking on Calvin Gastelum in a welterweight showdown. Calvin Gastelum. Of course, was ranked, uh, or currently is ranked number 11th at middleweight. That will definitely be changed. And Sean Brady was ranked number 9. 
Oh my goodness, this was a bloodbath from the get-go. Round one, Kevin Gaslam winning on the feet, but Sean Brady takes him down three of three times for three minutes and 22 seconds control time, dominating in round one. Round two, even worse, one for one on takedowns for four minutes and 31 seconds, 51 significant strikes, or 51 total strikes to two significant strikes, eight to two. Sean Brady's just control time was incredible. Um, Calvin just had no answer. Calvin had no freaking answer. Round three, Sean will just land one more takedown, go crazy looking for submissions. He'll land a Kimura, and he'll submit uh, Calvin Gaslam a minute and 43 seconds into round number three. Sean Brady now improving to 16-1 and one professionally, and that was his fifth career submission. How about that? And he improves to a nice little 6-1 and one in the UFC. Only losses to number two ranked welterweight Bilal Muhammad. But man, Calvin Gaslam... I might, you might cut this guy from the UFC. This is just insane. Insane. Since 2019, Calvin Gastelum has gone 2-6. Two 2-6. and, six. Two and six. His, his wins are over Ian Heinish and Chris Curtis. Just Calvin Gastelum, just clearly no... All credit to Sean Brady, but Calvin Gastelum, definitely on his way out. He's getting kicked out of the middleweight rankings. There's no way he should be ranked. And as for Sean Brady, he's currently ranked number 9. The number eight guy lost last time out. The number seven guy lost last time out. I'd bump Sean Brady up two spots, honestly. I liked what I saw from Sean. He looked good. And looking at the rankings, I'd have him fight number seven ranked Jeff Neal. I'd have him fight number four ranked Gilbert Burns. You know, I, I liked what I saw from Sean Brady. As for Calvin Gastelum, I, I don't even know if he stays at welterweight. He could fight an unranked contender, but Gastelum looks like to be on his way out. Sean Brady on the way up. Counted him out, but guess what? Sean proved he was coming back. And guess what? I was really sad at this point. I was 0-3 on the whole card. I had only predicted one correct fight. I mean, this was a terrible event. And then Davison Figueredo relit that fire on me as the former flyweight champion. All right, is he still in the men's pound for pound? No, he's not, but still. The number two ranked men's flyweight took on the number eight ranked Rob Font at bantamweight and got it done. Excellent win by Davison Figueredo. 30-27 unanimous decision across the board. And despite round one, you know, you're going to be a little deceived here by the stats, but uh, Rob Font actually outstruck Davison 22-10 to 10 in round number one, but Davison landed two takedowns, you know, and he was landing, you could see it more. And Davison won round one, despite being outstruck double. I always find that fascinating. Round two, Davison goes one for two on takedowns. Um, same number of significant strikes. Rob Font had two total strikes, but Davison almost dropped him. In round three, Davison, 20 to nine to significant strikes, 20 to nine total strikes. One of two on takedowns for two minutes of control time. Davison would pull away with it, looked dominant, head, hand was still, hand with hand in air at the end, however you want to phrase it. And yeah, just outclassed Rob Font. Davison Figueredo back in the wing column. By the way, by the way, Davison Figueredo has only lost to three men professionally. Okay, he's, he's only ever lost to, uh, uh, oh, no, he's only ever lost to two men professionally. That's what I meant to say. And that is Juicy Formiga in 2019 and Brandon Moreno twice. So, uh, Davison Figueredo, an amazing fighter. Love to see it. And actually, fun fact, he actually holds a win over your current uh, flyweight champion, Alexander Pintoa. Beat him in a fight of the night in 2019. But uh, he's now at bantamweight. He was calling out... Um, I think he was saying he could fight Sean O'Malley. You know, I think Peter Yan wants a piece of him. He was calling out, like, Marlon Vera, Corey Sanhagen. But, yeah, I like all these fights for Davison Figueredo. He'll be ranked. I think they should throw him in at 8 in the rankings, bump everyone down. Um, sorry, Saeed, you're going to be unranked. But um, that's just how it goes. Maybe they unrank Ricky Simone. We'll see. 
Um, don't unrank Chris Gutierrez. He fights this weekend. Um, but yeah, good win for Davison Figueredo. He's got a lot of options. Excuse me, at bantamweight. His opponent, though, Rob Font. Rob is now one in four, his last five. One in four, his last five. Um, never, never been finished professionally, but I mean, just clearly no ground game. Clearly no ground game. He's lost his last. He's been taken out 11 times his last two fights out. I mean, just nothing, nothing for him. And he was just out, he was outclassed on the feet, his biggest strong suit by Davison Figueredo. So, Rob Font, you're going to be fighting down. I'm going to give Rob Font to Jonathan Martinez, Umerna Magomedov, or Saitner Magomedov. Any of those guys, but um, the weekend belongs to Davison Figueredo. Good job. I'll drink one for you. I'll drink one for you, Davison Figueredo. You made me happy that you won. Let's get into the co-main event, because, oh my gosh. So, like, first off, let me just say, this fight was good, but it was a unanimous decision. All right, we've been seeing so many finishes. You know, I was kind of hoping for something more. Holy S-word, the co-main event delivered unbelievably. Jalen Turner KOs Bobby Green in 2 minutes and 49 seconds. Insane. On short notice, Jalen Turner, lightweight division, beyond notice. This guy's legit. All right, don't be don't be mistaken by split decision losses to Matus Gamrot and Dan Hooker. This guy's a D-A-double-G dog. Totals from the fight, I mean, uh, knockdown for Jalen Turner, obviously. 33 significant strikes to 15. Same for total strikes. Um, but basically... You know, just back and forth striking. All right, literally just going back and forth. But they're both keep, were keeping their freaking hands down. I, Bobby Green was begging to get knocked out. Jalen just had such a good reach. The reach for Jalen Turner in this one. They call him the tarantula. Tarantulas, they got the long legs. Jalen Turner, he's got the long arms, long legs, all right? That was his advantage. And he just came in, and he clipped Bobby Green, knocked him out. The ref did not freaking stop the fight. The ref sort of stopped the fight. Instead, he didn't. And Bobby Green ate like 20 extra seconds of follow-up punches, probably taking years off his life. But um, Jalen Turner, an animal, gets his 10th uh, tenth career KO. He has 14, um, 14 uh, fights. Oh, my gosh, 100% finish rate. For Jalen Turner, all right, and also his wins against Matus Gamrot and Dan Hooker, probably going to age uh, well, or his losses to them, yeah. Uh, that's for Bobby Green, you know, that's tough, um, you know, he started his 2023, unfortunately, and he ended it, unfortunately, but uh, man, Jalen Turner, just such a dog. Jalen Turner was currently ranked number 12, um, ahead of him is number 11, Benoit Saint-Denis, and at 10 is Rafael Dos Anjos, I would boot Rafael Dos Anjos down to 12, throw Benoit up to 10 and Jalen up to 11. Bobby Green was ranked 13th. I'd maybe move Hanato Moicano past him personally, but uh, Bobby Green is probably looking at an unranked competitor come his next fight. Um, but apparently the UFC was targeting Hanato Moicano and Jalen Turner. I think Jalen would absolutely destroy him. Um, Dan Hooker looks like he may be fighting up. So uh, by the time um, Half-Elf Aziz returns, you maybe do him versus... Um, Jalen Turner, but Jalen Turner going to be fighting the, some top lightweights coming up. Very happy to see him get it done. As for Bobby Green, man, tough, tough loss. But that's the fight game, Bobby. That's the mother trucking fight game. Let's get into the main event because I was like, okay, nothing's going to top that. All right, and Bossy, a five-round war between Armin Tazukrian and Benil Dariush, two top ten lightweights. And a minute, four seconds in, by golly, Armin Tazukrian KOs Benil Dariush cold, insane, goes in for a knee, clips him on the way in with the punch, 
drops him to the ground. It barely took but two to three follow-up punches, and Benil was just gasping for air. He was out of it. He was knocked out. Armin freaking Tazukian. Armin, what is his wacky nickname? Ahakalaks Sorukian gets it done. Incredible stuff. Oh my gosh, I was so hyped. I was so hyped. And this was right before I went out to the bars for the night, so I mean, this was, this got me all amped before I went out for the night. I was loving it. Armin Sukrin gets his ninth KO um, victory. He improves to 21-3 and three professionally, and the um, 27-year-old is now the number four ranked uh, lightweight in the world. If they rank Michael Chandler ahead of him, I'd be so pissed, because he just beat number four ranked Benil Dariush. All right. Oh my gosh, just Armin Zucrian. I freaking love you, man. Jumping from eight to four, getting it done. First main event, um, or second main event or whatever, but oh my gosh, excellent win for the kid. Three-fight win streak now. And in the UFC, all right, in the freaking UFC, he is eight and two. His only losses are to Matus Gamrat and Islam Makachev. Okay, so his losses are to your current number one pound-for-pound fighter, who he fought in his debut, and the currently number six, Matus Gamrat. So Armin, so legit. Throw him up to the number four spot. And you know what? He'll said he'll he'll wait for a title shot. He'd prefer a title shot. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. You know, you always say they need one more. I feel like Dustin Poirier would be an excellent fight right here. All right, I feel like that fight would work perfectly. But if you want to give him the title shot, I don't mind it because Charles Oliveira just beat Benil. Okay, he beat him earlier in the year, but Armin beat him worse. Armin beat him worse, man. And you know, I don't know what's next for Benil. You know, it could be number seven ranked Tafel Fazeev next year. Could be number nine ranked Dan Hooker. Could be retirement. Could be anyone. But it looked rough to see Benil out there. But this was the night of Armin Tzukrian. You cannot count the kid out. Love to see it. Love to see it, Armin. I freaking I was so hyped. I was so hyped. I could not believe it, and I still can't believe it. And that was the night, ladies and gentlemen. That was the freaking fight night. Amazing. Of the 12 fights on the card, only three went the distance. Nine finishes, uh, eight performance bonuses, one fight of the night. Only one fight cancellation, which was um, Steve Garcia versus Mel Quizal Costa, but that fight's being rebooked for next, uh, next week. Uh, yeah, this upcoming Saturday, actually. So I'll have to remind myself that I have notes, actually. Um, I should actually do that right now for my next episode, that I have notes for um, Costa versus uh, Garcia notes. So that way I don't have to do some extra research. Although extra research never hurts. Um, yeah, it's an amazing card. Biggest winners, Armin and Jalen ending the night with the dubs. David Figueredo jumping into the top 10 at Bantamweight. Sean Brady revitalizing his career. Dustin Solfis, Cody Brundage, uh, Jared Gooden, Veronica Hardy all saving their careers. Rodolfo Bellato having a comeback of the year. Jared Gooden having a comeback of the year. And Drakkar Close and Cody Brundage back-to-back slam KOs. And uh, an absolutely amazing fight night. The best fight night of the year. I, I just got to say, it's got to be the best fight night of the year. Let me just let me actually go back through the year. I'll actually go back to uh, the beginning of January. Because, by the way, we're going to do an end-of-the-year show in um, December at some point after UFC 296 where I'm going to go through and I'm going to rank um, all the fight nights, all the fight night main events, all the pay-per-views, all the title fights, all the pay-per-view main events. We'll be ranking a lot of stuff. But just looking at the year, I mean, no Apex card topped this. No, not a single Apex card could top this. Jan versus Dwight Shelley was in front of a crowd. No, Vera Sanhagen. No, uh, Holloway Allen. No. I mean, nothing in the first half of 2023 topped that. I mean, not at all. Um, try some other good fight nights. You had Emmett and Topura, Jacksonville, Florida. That was a good card. 
That was a pretty good card, but it was not better than this one. Let's be honest there. Um, Asmal Tibura was good, not better than this. Sanhagen and Font, no way it was better. This was easily the best fight night of the year. Yeah, best fight card of, not fight card, though some pay-per-views were better, but uh, best fight night of the year. Final one in front of a crowd before uh, we obviously have UFC 296. But um, yeah, excellent stuff. Next weekend, we're in the Apex. We're supposed to be in Shanghai, China. It fell through, but we do got some good ones, guys. All right, do not sleep on this Apex card. By the way, top 15 and actually a top 10, number 7 ranked Song Ye Dong is back for his second fight of the year, I believe, against number 14 ranked Chris Gutierrez in the co-main event. Top 10 light heavyweights as um, number 8 ranked Anthony Smith steps in on short notice to fight the deadly number 11 ranked Khalil Roundtree Jr. Top 10 flyweights, Suma Darji and Alan Nascimento do battle. Nazareth Hawkpasra and Jamie Malarkey, two great unranked lightweights do battle. Winner could be getting a ranked shot for um, next. And a battle for the number 15 spot in the middleweight division as Jun Young Park takes on Andre Munez. A number of other good uh, fighters on the prelims. I mean, keep your keep your eyes open for Tatsuo Taira and Daniel Marcos. We actually mentioned Daniel earlier on the episode. Going to be a fun one, and that'll be the final one I watch probably down here in Mankato. Maybe. But uh, yeah, then UFC 296 after that. But what a great way to kick off December. And what a what a, one of the... If this fight card would have ended the year, like I wouldn't even been mad. I wouldn't even been mad if you cancel the next two events. Like This was a great way to... Uh, to Just a great fight night. That's all I can say. That's all I can leave you with. And that's all I got. That's all I got, folks. A fun one. I always enjoy talking about UFC, talking about the NFL, movies and TV shows I watch, all sorts of sports and stuff. Um, I could bring back some surprise topics and occasionally I'll rank stuff, you know. But um, in the meantime, you know, just wrapping up my time here at college uh, for the semester. Um, I will have one more down here, and I'm debating that a big announcement for 2023 might be going, uh, having live shows or recording live or whatever, maybe on YouTube or maybe just filming myself. So you might be getting an announcement about that in the future. But um, as for now, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hope you have an amazing, amazing week. I'll see you guys later in the week with another episode. But as for now, I'll catch you next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast. Have a good one, folks.